Good morning. It's good to be back here at uh, CRC. Thankful to the Lord for the privilege to bring God's word this morning. And also, I want to thank Pastor Brett and the pastoral team for inviting me back again. Um, I'm thankful for the partnership between uh, Reach All Nations and CRC. Um, We want to thank you for your recent support for the flood relief uh, that we did. And also, I'm very much looking forward and excited that there will be probably a team from here in the month of August, Lord willing. We are very thankful for that. Um, As I often travel to this country, I'm amazed at the kind of freedom that you have to worship, fellowship, and just gather together without fear of being attacked or killed. And it is uh, such a privilege. The Lord used church in America in an amazing way to bring missions to the nations. Uh, A lot of hundreds and hundreds of missionaries were sent out from this nation into many countries that are difficult, that are hard to labor for the sake of the gospel. I really enjoyed the worship this morning. I wish I, I was just telling Pastor Brad that I wish I could take all of them to India and do a Western and Eastern music fusion. Uh, that would be awesome uh, to have that worship where we worship holy, 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 our Lord God Almighty. That is amazing. The Bible declares that all nations will worship our living God and our Savior Jesus Christ. Psalm 22 says, all the families of the nations shall worship before you. Psalm 86 says, all the nations you have made shall come and worship before you, O Lord, and shall glorify your name. It is amazing. God desires such a worship taking place among the nations. Places like India, Pakistan, Nepal, Afghanistan, all those difficult, hard places. God desires worship to take place, not just at CRC, not just in America, but also in 1040 window where there are many hundreds of unreached people live. In the world today, we have 7.3 billion people. And according to some statistics, about 4.8 billion people live in 1040 window. And out of that 8.3 billion people, 3.2 billion people neither have an access nor have freedom to do what we are just doing today here this morning. Neither have access nor freedom to do such worship, such fellowship. There are more than 55 least evangelized countries in that window. Unless something happens soon, huge number of these unreached people will never will have an opportunity to hear the gospel. Why? Because according to some estimation, um, only about 10% of the global missionary force is working in 1040 window. Open evangelism is very difficult. Even it is impossible because, because of the governmental restriction, hostility, and severe persecution and death in those countries. The statistics of the non-Christians you know, could be very staggering in this region. There are 865 million Muslims in this region that are unreached. 550 million Hindus. 275 million unreached Buddhists, 140 million unreached tribal groups, 17 million 
Jewish community, Jewish people uh, spread across in 134 countries. A lot of unreached people groups. There are so many. How will the worship, worship take place among these nations? How will these nations and people groups come to worship our true and living God? What are the means of such an amazing taking, amazing divine act taking place in these unreached regions? Because the biblical description of such places and such hearts is just shocking and hopeless. Any heart without the gospel of Jesus Christ is wicked. It is godless. Any soul without Jesus Christ is filled with evil, greed, depravity, full of envy, envy and murder. They slander and they, they hate God. No understanding of God. No love, no mercy, no kindness. They do such things deserve death. They not only continue to do those things, but they approve people, those who don't do those things. They are under the judgment of God. They are under the wrath of God. So how is it possible that God's name be glorified in these nations? How is it possible that the worship will take place among these nations? Brothers and sisters, this morning, the only hope for the redemption of these lost souls is the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because the Bible says that it is only through the sacrificial death of Jesus Christ our sins are forgiven, we are made righteous, and we are reconciled with God. The only hope is the name of Jesus Christ that is above all names. Because the Bible says, I am, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to Father except through me. The message of the gospel is the only hope that can bring worship among these nations. And God uses you and me as means of bringing that gospel of Jesus Christ into these unreached nations. The church is commissioned. The church is given the task to do that. It is such a privilege to, to be called by the immortal, invisible creator of the universe, the magnificent, all-sufficient God, he so chooses us, the mortal, sinful, but forgiven and redeemed by the Lord to do that task, to finish the task. Last, uh, I have had the privilege of listening to Pastor Brett's uh, last sermon, uh, last week's sermon. He, it was a very powerful sermon with the clarity he mentioned that CRC doesn't do global missions just because everybody else is doing it, but because we have biblical basis, biblical foundation to do that, because Jesus has commissioned us to do it. If you so set your heart, the Holy Spirit will enable us, give us strength to do this gospel ministry. This morning, brothers and sisters, I would like to um, uh, take some time meditating through the book of Jonah. It would be something like uh, a case study for global missions. And uh, uh, we will be reading through different sections of this book and learn some lessons for the global missions. But prior to that, as an introduction to this book, we know that uh, according to some biblical pundits, they say that Jonah is the author of this book. His name means dove. 
and he was a Hebrew. He was son of Amittai. He was the only Old Testament prophet who attempted to run away from God and God's call. He prophesied during the politically prosperous time of Jeroboam II. The purpose of this book is not to provide us material for theological debate, nor for us to get stuck in the arguments about the scientific possibilities of a human being surviving in a fish belly. The main point of this book is not that he was swallowed by a fish. In fact, in this book, even if it is said, Jonah swallowed the whales, the whale, the fish, it will still not be the main point of this book. Main point of this book is, the main actor in this book is God. God is the initiator, he sustains and he accomplishes his mission for his glory. The main uh, purpose we can say in this book is simply telling us what God did to give an expression of his heart to the nations. Expression of his heart for the nations and how God set his affections upon the wicked city of Nineveh. It just gives us a picture of God's heart. Some people, when they read this book, some critiques, they have questions about the historicity of this book. They think it may be just a parable or an illustration, a mythology, or something like that. But we have very strong evidence in this book to suggest that this was the story of Jonah. It's just not a, a parable or a, a, an illustration, but it is a real event occurred in real history. Let's look at three or four reasons why I believe that. Number one reason is that Jesus himself was referring to the story of Jonah and comparing it with his coming death Resurrect, uh, death, burial, and resurrection. I don't think Jesus would have based his most significant work in the human history or based on a fictional story. So that makes me believe that it is a history because Jesus is referring it to himself. The second reason is that um, uh, the name of Jonah is mentioned in one of the historical books in the Old Testament. We have first five books, law, and the next 12 book, historical books, and then we have wisdom, literature, minor prophets, and major prophets. Second Kings chapter 1425, it is said here, according to the word of the Lord, the God of Israel, which he spoke by the servant Jonah, the son of Amittai, the prophet who was from Gath Hepper. So basically a historical book in the Old Testament is mentioning about prophet Jonah, so it must not have been just a fiction. It is a historical incident. The third reason is that even till this today, the Orthodox Assyrians, uh, both in their original lands and also in the diaspora, still observe a three-day fast commemorating the arrival and the proclamation of Jonah's message and the repentance of Nineveh, even till this today. So I'm sure that you know, allows us to believe that it's just not a fiction, but something that happened in the history they were commemorating. Fourth reason, the main suspicion for this uh, criticism is that how is it possible that a man can go into the belly of fish for three days and still be surviving? Well, that's for critics, but for, for me it's not because we have a God in the Bible who created the whole universe who parted the Red Sea, who shut the mouths of the lions in a den. 
and uh, I don't think it would be difficult for him to stop some digestive acids in a fish to make him keep him alive in the belly of the fish. So now that we have established that Jonah is a person in the history, that event occurred in the, the, uh, the event occurred in his life was logical, let's now go ahead and read through different sections of this book and let's bring out some lessons for the global missions. The first lesson we can learn from this book of Jonah is that God is the one who initiates global missions. God is the initiator of the global missions. Chapter 1 verses 1 says, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. This expression, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, word of the Lord came, or word of the Lord coming, it's a common expression in the Old Testament. For example, word of the Lord came to Abraham in vision. The Lord revealed himself to Samuel in Siloh by the word of the Lord. The word of the Lord came unto Elijah. Word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. It's a very common expression we see in the Old Testament. In the prophetical books, we see the word of the Lord coming to prophets. But the Bible says, um, in the New Testament age, God spoke to us through his son Jesus. And we have that today in the form of the Bible. You may be thinking, why is the word of the Lord not coming to me? Yes, it is coming to you through the word, the written word of God. If you read it and if you meditate upon it. And from this we understand that from the beginning of the history, God is the one who is taking initiative to connect with us, to connect with people. From this we understanding that we understand that in the book of Jonah, God was the one who took initiative. The word of the Lord came to Jonah. The word of the Lord prepared a fish. The word of the Lord took initiative. The God took initiative in sending Jonah to Ninevites. It was always God taking initiative. I come from a country where people try to reach God. In order to reach God, they go to mountains, they go to trees, dip themselves in a river, and do all sorts of things in order to reach God. But it is a failure because it is impossible to reach God unless God made, uh, God did make a way for us to reach us through his son Jesus Christ. So God is the one who is trying to reach people, reach nations, and reach people groups. God said to Jonah, arise and go. What a tremendous initiative from God to reach out to the very people who offended him with sin and idolatry. I wouldn't do that if somebody offended me, but God. It's a tremendous initiative to reach out to the very people who offended him. God did not send a savior because we first begged him to be merciful and save us. God always have taken initiative. Adam and Eve, after they sinned, they did not go to God seeking for solutions, but God came to them. God did not, it was God is always willing to go and God is always willing to send. So God is the one who takes initiative and he is the initiator of the global missions. The second lesson we learn from this book is that we have a call to go to hard places. Brothers and sisters, we have a call to go to hard places. Verse 2, arise and go to Nineveh, the great city. 
In the Old Testament, Jonah is the only prophet who was called to go to a Gentile nation, the Nineveh. He was the first missionary God has ever sent beyond the borders of Palestine. He says, arise and go. There's a sense of urgency. There's a sense of quickness here. Not to just relax, lay down, take it easy. But just get up speed, in speed and in courage. Arise and go. Just wake up, Jonah. Just get up and go. That's what it means. Those who go on God's business must rise and go. Must stir themselves up for the work of the Lord that is assigned to them. So Jonah was asked to go to Nineveh. It would be something like asking a Jewish evangelist, go and preach to a Nazi Hitler. That would be difficult. And Nineveh was a capital city of Assyria, which was uh, the then world superpower at that time, almost 750 years before Christ. It was the most eminent and great city. A preacher described the state of Nineveh like this. The city of Nineveh was gorgeous, but it was godless. It was splendid, but it was sinful. It was wealthy, but it was wicked. Their decor was attractive, but their deeds were atrocious. They were known for their cruelty, especially for their prisoners. Um, in the history, we read that sometimes villagers would commit mass suicide rather than falling into the hands of Assyrians. They were so cruel. It was a great city, but a heathen city without the knowledge of true and living God. Brothers and sisters, it is sad to think what a great deal of sin is committed in great cities where there is many sinners who are not only all sinners but also making one another sin. There are many hard places in our times too. There are places where you cannot identify yourself as a follower of Jesus Christ. You could be persecuted. You could be killed. There are many hard places. Impossible to carry the message of the gospel. It is difficult to go to these places. But Jonah was called to go. He was called to go to those places. Many of the prophets were actually asked to send a message to the neighboring countries. But Jonah must go by himself and bring the message of the gospel. It is a hard... We are, we are asked to go to hard places... But remember that God is going to be with us. And God is the one who is going to lead us. And God is the one who is going to carry us forward. I remember the story of a place in our region, about 30, 40 families in that region. Um, they will go out, work in the morning, come back in the evening, drink and fight, drink and fight. That place had a reputation uh, being a very hard place. Uh, my father took almost like seven years to go on a regular basis to this place and preach the gospel. After seven years, one converted. One person got converted. After second, eighth year, um, I think eight people got converted. And the next year, 18 people got converted. It was a hard place. Not many people wanted to go there. But when we go with the gospel of Jesus Christ, Hard places are transformed into God's places or gospel places. Brothers, we have a call 
to go to hard places. And the other lesson we learn is that we have a call to proclaim a difficult message. We have a call to proclaim a difficult message. God told Jonah, call out against Nineveh, for their evil has come up before me. This great city was wicked, and their wickedness had come before the face of God. In other words, God is saying that their wickedness has come up to me, come into my face. So go tell them about the upcoming judgment. A lot of thoughts thoughts must have been going through the mind of Jonah. What will happen if I go and preach this message that there is only one God and he is the creator of the whole universe. Whatever you do, you are accountable to God and there is a judgment coming. It's a difficult message to preach. Like I said, other prophets were ordered to send the message to the neighboring nations, but Jonah must go and carry the message himself. It's a difficult message, but it is a warning sent ahead of time. This reveals the heart of God and his mercy upon the people who are lost. It's a difficult message, but it's a message of warning. It's a message of hope. It's a message of salvation. Can you carry this message of hope to those difficult jungle villages? There are hard places. Brothers and sisters, we have a call to go to hard places. We have a call to proclaim difficult message. Another lesson we learn from this book is that we must trust and obey God even if the circumstances are contrary to our expectations and hopes. We must trust and obey God even if our circumstances are contrary to our expectations and hopes. But Jonah missed this point. Jonah missed this point. In verse 3, we see Jonah rose and fled to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa, found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. What a fascinating story. God gives him a task, God gives him a mission, and he is running away from it. He found a ship, wasted no time, he just got into the ship. Sometimes, uh, brothers and sisters, the ready way is, all, is not always the right way. The ship was ready, he got into it, he didn't know what was he getting into. When I'm thinking about the life, of, life and story of Jonah, why he must have, why, must, why was he running away from the call of God? There could have been several reasons. Let's just look at f- briefly a few of them. I believe the first reason that he was trying to run away is because of his theological deficiency. Because of his theological deficiency. Jonah was trying to run away from the presence of God, but he failed to discern that he had a, omni, a God who is omnipresent. Else, or else he, would, you know, he wouldn't have just gone... I mean, he, he must have known that by fact, but he must have neglected it. He completely ignored the fact that he cannot run away from God. There is no hiding place away from the presence of the Lord. Brothers and sisters, whatever you believe affects the way you behave. 
Whatever you believe affects the way you behave. Later on in the story, we also find that Jonah had a right theological understanding about his God. He says, do you know who am I? I am a Hebrew, a, a, a person who worships God, who is the creator of the universe. But I'm actually being disobedient to him. That's what he was trying to say. So he had theological deficiency. That is the one reason why it caused him just to try to run away from God's presence. The second reason could be Jonah's love for his nation. His love is only for his nation. That was a problem. Jonah knew that the Ninevites hated Israelites. So in his mind, he was thinking, if God shows mercy upon this nation, they will survive and they will come back and attack us later on. So he was very patriotic for his country. There's a lesson we can learn here. That sometimes uh, man's love for his country can be more than for his God. There are some Christians like this. And when that happens, we can miss the will of God. We are the citizens of heaven first. And secondly, we are the citizens of our country. We should be loyal to our country. We should be patriotic. But I think our allegiance is to God first and next to our nations. Sometimes we can get so taken up by earthly politics. And because of that, we miss what God wants us to do as his children. Other reason could be a long journey, not very safe. And also, one concrete reason we know that he foresaw that Ninevites would repent. God would forgive them. And that was not okay with Jonah. That's the problem. Another reason could be dependence on himself. What a blessing it would have been that if he didn't have money to get into that ship. Sometimes, sometimes the dependency on our wealth, our technology, on modern whatever facilities could be dangerous. They're all good. They are blessings from God. But sometimes when your dependency is more on them than God, it can be dangerous. He consulted with his blood and flesh and declined the mission that was given to God. Of course, finally, he was brought back into the track with uh, some pain and difficulties and all that. In spite of all the obstacles, he was brought back in, in line with God's message and God's understanding. So instead of disobeying and getting into all sorts of troubles, we must trust God and in his instincts than our instincts, even if the circumstances seems to be contrary and difficult. Another lesson we learn from the book of Jonah is that despite of human weaknesses in those God selects, he is still able to use them for his service. Despite of the human weaknesses in those he selects, God is still able to use them for his service and for his glory. Jonah ran away, but God sent a pursuer after him, a mighty tempest in a sea. The, the storm was, it was prevailing to such a degree that the ship was likely to be broken. So, and then after that, he ended up in, in an unplanned submarine ride in the belly of a fish. And there he was praying and acknowledging that God is his savior. Salvation of Salvation of the Lord, salvation belongs to the Lord. 
and uh, he didn't want to communicate with God when he was running away, but he made sure he was trying to communicate with God. You know, people may shut us down from communicating with each other, but nobody can shut us down from connecting and reconnecting with God. And it's, uh, it gives us hope even for those who are backsliding to come back to God in prayer and acknowledging that God is our Lord and salvation belongs to him. So despite of weaknesses of Jonah, despite of his problem, um, he came back onto the track and God started using him. He went to Nineveh, he preached, he had an amazing revival, amazing conversion and repentance in the city of Nineveh. Our God is God of not just second chances, but many chances. Brothers and sisters, we can trust God, even sometimes when we are weak, unable to do, unable to fulfill God's will. If you come back to God in prayer and in obedience, he will use you for the sake of his glory. The seventh lesson we can learn from the book of Jonah is that God's compassion for the nations is boundless. God's compassion for the nations is boundless. In this book, we clearly see that the Lord is God of boundless compassion, not just for us, not just for Jonah, not just for Israelites, but also for them, the sailors, the pagan sailors, and also the pagan Ninevites. So the, the theological horizons of Jonah is being expanded here. And after the revival broke in the city, we see a sad scene here, that he preached and there's a revival from king to a common man. They were just confessing that the Lord is a sovereign God. They're confessing, repenting of their sins. Instead of rejoicing in that God's mighty, amazing work, he goes out of the city. He sits there trying and waiting to see what's going to happen to the city. And then uh, there's a lot of, uh, there is a, like, he got a shade. There was a plant. There was a worm. A worm and then Jonah was angry. In the fourth chapter we see there's a conversation happening between God and Jonah. Do you do well to be angry for the plant? And Jonah said, yes, I do well to be angry, angry enough to die. And the Lord said, you pity the plant for which you did not labor, nor you did make it grow, which came, to, came into being in the night and perished in the night. And should I not pity Nineveh, that great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left hand and also much cattle. This <coughs> incident of the gourd, gourd that the plant occurred to convert Jonah from his sin of begrudging God's mercy towards the Gentiles. But his pity was on the the plant rather than hundreds and thousands of perishing souls. Jonah felt sorrow for the plant, but God was feeling um, sad or he was showing, trying to show compassion for those lost people. Sometimes, brothers and sisters, as Christians, as followers of Christ, we don't see this. We don't see like God sees the nations. That's why we don't have compassion rather than we have complaints. 
unless you and I have that heart of God, of compassion, we will not be able to partake any of this God's glorious local mission or global mission. If we are occupied with our own life, our own comfort, our own trivial matters of life, we will not have. Sometimes I, I feel so much um, sad to see that there is not even iota or inch of passion or desire in a lot of Christians to do anything for the lost nations. Not willing to share that the same privilege of revelation like Jonah and Israelites to the lost people groups. Lastly and finally, another lesson we learn is that the supremacy of God over entire creation. Supremacy of God over the entire creation. The amazing power of God was illustrated through a lot of miracles in the book of Jonah. There was a severe storm. Just started happening when Jonah was there. And then as soon as he was thrown out, the storm disappeared. And um, the sailors cast lots. And by the miracle, the lot identified the thief, I mean the Jonah, the disobedient prophet. The great fish was prepared to swallow Jonah. And uh, after three days and three nights, he was still alive. And there was a plant, there was a worm. All these things actually helps us to understand God was still in control, even in that small little plant. And that gives us hope for missions. That gives us courage to go out to the hard places and bring the difficult message. It is not our mission. It is his missions. So he initiates, he sustains, he accomplishes. We just have to come to God with our open heart and trust him, obey him, and just entrust our life into his care. And if we look at life of Jonah and life of Jesus, a lot of differences we can draw from this. Jonah was not willing to go to this difficult place, but Jesus was more than willing to um, come down, empty himself, and then come down to this most difficult, sinful, wicked nation. Jonah was seeking his comfort. He was sleeping, but Jesus was willing to suffer. Jonah wanted the message to be bottled up for his own nation, his own people groups, but Jesus wanted all people groups, all nations to worship him. Almost forcefully, God had to bring Jonah, but Jesus more than willingly had come down into this world. He gave his life. It's a sacrificial death on the cross. That's the difference between Jonah and Jesus. We learn all these lessons from the book of Jonah. If we sum up all this into one sentence, God and his compassion on the lost people groups is boundless. And God needs people and his church to go to those hard places. We are commissioned to go. And to bring this gospel, offensive gospel, difficult message. Sometimes when I um, read this book, 
I have a question. I wonder sometimes why did God, why did God pick up an unwilling man, an unwilling prophet to go to Nineveh? There must have been many more people in Israel who would have been more than willing to go. Lord, if you talk to me, I'm more than happy to go. I'm willing to endure all those difficulties and suffering because you said me, you, you told me I'm willing to go. But why did God pick up this man who was unwilling to go? I believe God picked up Jonah because he reflects an attitude of so many God's people down through the centuries. Israel was God's covenant people, supposed to be the channel of salvation for all the peoples, but they bottled up the blessings for themselves. They had lost God's heart for the nations. But before we condemn these, those comfortable covenant people, we need to see that, like Jonah, we often value our own comforts above the souls of millions of lost people who need to hear that there is a judgment, there is a hope, there is a savior. Jonah was an orthodox believer. He had his theology straight and right, but the problem was that his heart was not there for the lost souls. Brothers and sisters, I would like to bring out some questions from this book of Jonah. Since God has compassion on the lost people, should not we have the same compassion? Should not we have the same heart of God for the lost? Are you running away from the call of God in your life? What are you running from? Is it your fear? Is it your comforts? Or is it your own life and family and things like that. God has called you for his missions, but you are uncertain. I would like to encourage you that God who has called you will go with you and use you for the sake of his glory. Are you being obedient to his call this morning? Who are the Ninevites in your life? Who are the Ninevites in your life? Can you identify them? Pray for them? Maybe start reaching them? Even though we may not be like Old Testament prophet, like Jonah, we have been given a mission similar to him, similar to his. That is the gospel mission. New Testament believers... Our charge is to take the gospel to those who are lost, proclaiming them the reality of coming judgment and the reality of hope in Jesus Christ. When we resist the responsibility with fear, pride, preoccupation, trivial things in life, we fall into the same trap like Jonah did. There's, a great, there's no greater joy than seeing sinners embracing the good news of salvation. Remember, you are not alone in this because God initiates, God sustains, God accomplishes his mission among the nation for the sake of his glory. Brothers and sisters, I would like to invite you to open your hearts today for the Lord to minister through the book of Jonah. Let us close our eyes. I would like to ask Pastor to come and pray.
Well, Father, we do um, just pause here for a minute and thank you for your word, for every part of your word that is uh, so often um, um, just a dagger in all of our hearts. We do thank you for the book of Jonah, just this tiny little book um, placed in the middle of your Bible here. Uh, And in it we do see you are a God of compassion, not just for the nation of Israel, not just for people in America, but you are a God of compassion for people in every tribe and language and people and nation. Father, we thank you. We see there that you are a sending God. That you would send Jonah to this wicked city. And that you would send Jesus into this wicked world. And that you have sent us, all of us, who claim the name of Jesus. You've sent us into this wicked world. We see it, Lord. And Father, I, I, I'm just convicted. I think many of us are, Lord. We, uh, here in America, are such consumers. Consumers of material goods. Consumers of entertainment. We are consumers of spiritual things. We sit and just devour more and more and more things. But Father, it so often doesn't lead to action. And it, it, it leaves us on the sidelines in your global mission, hearing about it. We're hearers of it, but we don't do when it comes to your global mission. And Lord, there is only one word we can attach to that. It is sin. Pure and simple, it is sin. Father, as your people, you have done amazing things for us. You have reconciled us to Yourself through the death and resurrection of our Savior. There is no longer any hostility between You and us. We are no longer Your enemies, Lord God, because of Jesus. You call us, Father, Your children. You call us, uh, Jesus, You call us Your friends. You have brought us into Your family, Lord God, and showered us with so many blessings. You've reconciled us. But You haven't just reconciled us. You've also given us the ministry of reconciliation. You have called us to be ambassadors. Sent ones in the name of Jesus. All of us. Sent here locally. Sent here globally. And Father, we just ask for Your help. We ask for your help that you would show us the part that we would play as a local church, a a body of believers. You'd you'd show us the part we will play in your global mission, Lord God. You'd show us the part that we would play as a church here locally when it comes to mission. And Father, we would just ask that you would show each and every believer here the part that he or she will play in your mission here locally, through a life group, or, 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 or in some other way, working with other believers here locally. But you would also show every believer here the role that he or she will play globally. 
Lord, around the world, working to see the name of Jesus Christ proclaimed in every tribe, language, people, and nation. And we know, Lord God, that by Your Spirit, You will stir up Your people to preach the name of Jesus in every nation. And when that is done, the end will come. And, and, and on that day, when the end comes, we will see believers, worshipers, disciples of Jesus from every tribe, language, people, and nation. And we will all join together and enjoy Jesus forever and ever. Your global mission then complete. And missions will be no more because worship will now uh, be, be lifted up from people from every single people group. So we bless your name. We ask that you would help us, Father, in our global mission. We thank you for it now in the name of Jesus. Amen.